This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Before the internet and before social media, PR accomplishments were measured in front page stories and how many headlines you could garner. Today, thanks to the internet and social media, managing your voice and understanding how to effectively reach your audience has changed. Kimberly Jefferson is the vice president of Blast Media. And on this episode of Marketing Trends, she explained how to navigate through the challenging world of PR in 2020, including why smaller companies need to understand how to manage their voice and how being transparent and communicating effectively during a crisis will pay off in the long run. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and we are joined by special guest, Kimberly, what's going on? Thanks for having me. We are excited to talk about PR today. Um, We're going to talk about specifically the technology industry of which, you know, Blast Media predominantly works uh, and uh, and a little bit about your background. So how did you get started in marketing in the first place? Yeah, uh, thanks again for having me. Super excited to be here. Um, my past experience, um, I started as majoring in communication with an emphasis in journalism in college. I thought I'd be a real reporter. I'd be a check on the government. I'd be informing the public of important issues they needed to hear after I worked at a couple of newspapers, I realized that it was important work, but not a lifestyle that I wanted to live. You know, the weekends, long nights, chasing people that didn't want to talk to you. I covered a few house fires that really shook me. Uh, so I used the same skills, you know, writing for a defined audience, finding the story, clear, concise communication to go into marketing. So my first job in marketing was in commercial real estate. And that wasn't exactly my passion, but I figured out through that, that media relations actually was. So I did a small media relations project there. And then I found Blast Media, specializing completely in media relations for tech companies. And then the last 10 years of working there is history. So how has PR changed? What are some of the misconceptions about PR? Because I think Overall, more than perhaps any other marketing function, uh, PR is is so different now. For sure. And at some level, everyone is an armchair PR person. There's something about PR that feels intuitive, uh, marketing in general, but, but PR, people feel very passionate about it, that it's personal. Um, so everybody in an organization can in some level get involved in PR. So... I think a few things that have changed are we work with software companies specifically, and I have seen a real shift in the last call it 10 years, but more so five years of talking less about themselves and helping actual users, potential users, potential employees understand the market, what they have to offer as far as thoughts through data actually informing the market being thought leaders versus just putting out press releases about themselves and what they're doing. Uh, Oftentimes people think 
media relations or PR is just putting out press releases. And if that's your strategy, then I would say you're not doing PR. Um, you're just issuing press releases, which basically anyone could do. Uh, press release is just a piece of collateral that gives information about, about a story that you're trying to tell and should be thought of as such. So for our clients, we try to look at that only half of the coverage they get comes from news that they're putting out from their company. And the other half comes from thought leadership. So actually pulling data that's original and providing it to reporters that informs the market, writing contributed content for industry publications that help somebody do their job better, doing things that not only move their company forward, but their industry forward is now what's expected of PR uh, versus just screaming about yourself into a void of people that don't care. Well, and it's funny. So we work with obviously a ton of PR teams uh, and comms teams because we have a bunch of podcasts and we you know put out a, a ton of uh, a ton of podcasts. So you know we see a lot of how people are thinking about getting information out there about their clients in a way that is. I don't want to say like non-traditional media because that's kind of like a nebulous thing, but um, that are getting getting information to places that that really are non-traditional, right? It's like um, you know, obviously, if you can get on TechCrunch, like that's a huge deal. But you know, getting on I don't know whatever Joe Rogan, for example, depending on what type of uh, um, what type of product you have, could be way more impactful. And that's just not really something that you know, 10 years ago, you could have really imagined. And with things shifting so quickly with how, uh, you know, we, we talked on a previous episode about, um, you know, about influencer market, marketing and micro-influencers and things like that. Like, you know, again, getting mentioned by Kim Kardashian's Instagram feed is could do more for a company's, uh, you know, story than just about anything that that's happening right now in media. I mean, those type of things are so crazy to think about. And if you don't have a strategy and tactics in place to seize those type of opportunities, then you're just really not going to do, uh, you're not going to have a cohesive, you know, approach to this. And it's probably going to be wasted time. Yeah, for sure. You know, we hear a lot, how can you still be in traditional media relations? Are there any media left? You know, newsrooms are shrinking, which to a news nerd like me, nothing hurts my heart more than that. There's also a huge opportunity in what you were calling non-traditional media for lack of a better term with, yeah, podcasts or always pitching our clients to podcasts that are fitting because there's a podcast for everything and it has a very specific audience. Um, so there's those broad ones, like you were saying, Joe Rogan, but there's also compliance podcasts and I'm on a marketing podcast right now. And there's a podcast that speaks to every specific audience and you can really reach someone with a message that means something to them uh, versus a what like TechCrunch, a wide publication. A lot of people read it and there's a place for that. Uh, but it can't be as targeted as a message as at the audience that you want that you could through a podcast. There's also software companies that have owned blogs that are really widely read. You know, we pitch our clients to blogs like G2 or Drift or HubSpot that 
that's not traditional media, but has as big of reach as any media and has a defined audience. Um, so yeah, we're really excited about the prospect of growing media properties that aren't what you would have traditionally thought of. Yeah. And I think so much of, you know, traditional PR, like you said, you know, the kind of press release sort of uh, approach stemmed from a time when that was the predominant way to get news to a mass number of people, right? The idea, the press release was like, all of the journalists could pick up this story for their individual, you know, publications and run with it, right? So having a really well-crafted press release, and not that it's not still important because it is for sure, um, especially certain circumstances where it's really, really important, like what we're seeing with um, with the response to COVID and all of that. But, um, but the idea that like that was the best way of doing things back then, but of course, you know, the levels of complexity that have kind of come about now makes that just not as a, it's not a one size fits all the same way that TV advertising uh, is not going to be, you know, has, has diminished in importance because of the rise of other channels. Right. Right. And I think there's still confusion around who the audience is for a press release because sometimes that audience isn't press and you need to think about that. So, you know, if you're a startup and you get your first round of funding you should put out a press release about that. The audience for that can be media, but you're going to get media coverage by actually reaching out to TechCrunch and VentureBeat and your local media and the media that would care and explaining to them one-to-one why this story works for them based on what they've covered in the past. But the press release is probably more for future investors or your current investors to see that you're making good on their investment. It is a return in a Google news search. And that's how you should think of a press release. It's a piece of collateral that you can put on the internet for people to understand it as a piece of your story. And because the internet is for everyone, it's not necessarily press as your only audience for that, um, which I don't think people are thinking about on a regular basis. Yeah, I'm curious, like, how do you look at the idea of the different personas that you're trying to talk to with your communication? Like you mentioned future investors or investors um, versus customers versus prospects. Like how do you look at those things from a PR perspective? Yeah, good question. When we start with clients, we, we typically assume that there's four pillars of their business that really matter for communication to touch. Employees, investors, partners, and customers. And when we get started with that client, we talk to them about rank order those important, the importance of those for us now. So we can understand at this moment in time, what's important to you. Are you fundraising right now? So investors are the most important or do you have a long runway and that doesn't matter as much right now? Are you recruiting? So do we need employer branding to read through PR so that you're speaking to the developers that you're trying to recruit on a regular basis. Most of our clients say customers are the number one audience. They're any software business is probably going to say that at any given moment. So we usually put customers first and think about how can we best speak to the customer and then fall in line after that. So when customers come first, we dig for stories in companies around 
current customers that are having a lot of success. So who are your premier customers, whether they're a logo or not, and what story can we pull out of them so they can tell it for you? So that's more of don't talk about yourself, have someone else talk about you. And that story is best told through your customers um, so that someone else can read that customer story and feel, put themselves in the shoes of that customer and understand how that software could help them in the same way. Um, we also look at, okay, where, what are the most successful customer segments that you have or segments that you think should be more successful that you want to boost up? So verticals you want to go after. Um, and then we find the publications that are very niche to those and find the right story for those delivered in the way that makes the most sense. So do we contribute content there? Do they take interviews? Do they only want to talk to customers or vendors kind of banned, which can be a thing. So we look at that customer piece first, build a program around that and then fall with other pillars from there. So if employees are super important from retention, to recruiting employees, then we dig into the employer brand. What are you doing that's different for your employees? Do you have an amazing parental leave policy? Do you pay for, we have a client that pays, has paid vacation, but also actually pays for their employees to go on vacation, so they get a stipend to take the vacation to really encourage time off, um, and we have pitched that to media. So finding the stories that make you a great employer and pitching those. Um, so once we can understand where the focus of the business is, then we can build the PR programs individually around what matters. What are some of the common mistakes or pitfalls that you see, whether it's your customers or other folks make from a PR perspective? I mean, right now, I'm seeing a lot of people that are thinly veiling trying to capitalize on a crisis. Uh, and looking like they're trying to help, but using a global pandemic as a lead gen tool. So we've been talking to a lot of our clients about how do you look at what you're doing from a communication perspective with a critical eye and not just in a vacuum of what's best for your business. So we've been encouraging a lot of our clients to not do a free offer for software if then they're going to push anyone that takes the free offer now, two months from now, they're going to push them through their CRM and they're going to get in the marketing funnel just like everyone else. Um, because then you've, you've capitalized on an opportunity for lead gen. Um, and so our clients, some of them totally get it and are proactively telling us they're doing that. But software companies that we're talking to often don't understand how that could come across. You know, every business ha is beholden to, investors and their employees and their customers to keep the lights on right now. So stopping selling is not an option, but capitalizing and making money off the back of a crisis uh, is something that we're trying to make sure our clients understand the ramifications of that from a brand perspective, from a human perspective, and trying to be that third party to kind of ask the questions, why are you doing this? Where is this actually coming from? Is it coming from a place of altruism? Can you actually help and can you help right now? Then what you're doing is the right thing and let's communicate about it. If you answer those questions in a way that doesn't sound genuine, 
then we're not recommending communicating about them. Yeah, specifically with with COVID, obviously these are you know extremely tough times, um, and we you know I, we've kind of seen the same sort of thing that some folks are just not really kind of behaving in the right way. I'm curious, like what what do your clients um, what are they coming to you with? What are some of the concerns that they have? Um, you know how how can uh, how can our listeners kind of figure out uh, how to navigate through through a pretty pretty challenging time? Yeah, so we're we're obviously dealing with some things like layoffs. Um, that's a reality for a lot of businesses right now, and helping our clients through the communication of that. Um, we've had some clients that wanted to be proactive externally about communication around layoffs, and we have to critically think through that because as a private business, you don't have to tell media when you lay off employees. You do have to tell those employees. You need to tell your customers who those employees work with every day. You need to make sure the employees that are still around are informed. You need to make sure you're empathetic of that communication. There's a lot of internal communication to be done, but we're also coaching our clients through what that looks like externally. So no, you don't have to call your local tech reporter and tell him that you made layoffs and you shouldn't. You should be ready to respond with empathy and the facts should someone from the media ask. Uh, we're not telling clients, of course, to lie or sugarcoat. Um, we, we need to tell the facts when asked, but we don't have to broadcast the changes that are going on inside a private organization. So working through what the difference is between internal and external communication um, with our clients has been super important because we've also seen not from our clients, but from other tech businesses, you know, memos be leaked and things that were supposed to be internal go external. So we're also telling our clients, you have to write anything internal as if it, you would be okay with it running in TechCrunch. So think about that, that anything you write internal, especially now, when tensions are high and we're in the midst of a crisis, anything you give your employees now could be public. So think through that message and make sure the empathy is there and the facts and the understanding. Um, don't make it about you. Make sure they understand where you're going as a business. Everything that we would normally tell them is just heightened um, and more eyeballs should be on things than there were before to make sure that everything that is going out internal or externally is what you would want a representation to be of your business. We also have clients that ha are affected very differently by the pandemic than others. So we have some clients who focus primarily on the restaurant and hospitality vertical for their customers. Obviously, the effect there has been huge um, for their customers particularly. So we have to look at, from a media perspective, what are you talking about in the media that is useful to your customers right now? Every Friday for the last month, we've looked at a cross-section of trade publications that we work with frequently. So HR, IT, retail, national technology, looked a cross-section of those and seen about Overall, about half of the coverage is about COVID-19 and the other half is unrelated, uh, which is a lot different than 
national news media, which has a different audience and a different mission. So we're also digging in and on the retail side, we're now up to more like 70% of coverage is COVID-19 related. So we're informing our clients that are speaking to that audience. Yeah, we're giving them advice differently That's than crazy. we would if you're pitching you know, IT, which is more like 48%. So if you're talking to retail, you better be giving them information that helps them get through the crisis now. So thought leadership that gives them tips for, or something that actually helps now, or you shouldn't be communicating to that vertical. Um, where IT, you could talk about tangential topics that are still relevant and not be tone deaf. You know, with technology companies, I think sometimes, depending on the team and the marketing team, they kind of struggle to get to the story, um, you know, or find the story because you have a lot of, you know, product-centric founders, um, a lot of people who are really deep in the tech part, um, but don't necessarily like have have a good hold on either their their company story uh, or you know the stories of their customers. Like, how, obviously, we know story is extremely important. But how do you look at that and and talk to your clients about uh, the importance of telling stories and actually getting those out into the into the market? Yeah. So when we start with a new client, we have a non negotiable thirty day onboarding process. We do a discovery call where we learn a lot about the company background, the philosophy, the differentiators. We ask a lot of questions in these 30 days to understand their business, who they're talking to and why. We do a media landscape analysis where we look at their key competitors, the publications that they want to be in and should be in, and understand the holes in the media market that they could fill. And then we host story mining calls with about anyone in the organization that'll take a call with us and ask them questions about their background, how they got in the industry, where they see the industry going, how their product best fits in it, and get a lot of perspective. So we spend the first month together gathering everything we possibly can. And then we sit down and try to break that down into stories that'll make sense for media. So we do a lot of research on what media is covering and a lot of research on what our clients have to say and then spend time on matching that. So there might be a story that the CEO sees as a story inside the company, but no one really that's covering that in the market. So we have to find a way to match the internal stories to what would actually make sense to media. And sometimes that takes explanation to the client. You know, everybody, especially founders, every founder believes that their company is the greatest, has the best story, their software is going to change the world. They have to believe that to be crazy enough to start a software company. So we spend a lot of time using data and information and research to show our clients what will work with media. And sometimes we just need to try it. So our client tells us something that he's super passionate about and we go to media that we think might like it and float it to them in a way that isn't annoying that we think this could work for you because in the past you've covered something kind of similar and try to make it work for them. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. So I think there's a match between looking at the, the stories inside a business and what they think the story is and where media is actually covering and finding that intersection. 
in my early PR training, uh, as I was working, um, with some PR folks, you know, we, we spent a lot of time figuring out what was the story that the actual reporter wants to tell, right. And like pitching them the way that's the least effort for them to be able to get that story out into the world, you know, something interesting for them is something that they wanted to really evangelize. Does that kind of change as we're talking about like the, you know, for lack of a better term, the non-traditional media folks, like whether it's podcasts or whether it's, you know, social channels or, or whatever, does that, does that kind of fundamentally change based off of the utility of what the person is? Like, I know, for example, um, and I know we're a little different than, than other folks, but, you know, a lot of times you get folks that kind of like think they're doing you a solid by saying like, oh, hey, you know, we can get you, you know, 50 guests for for your show or something like that. And it's like, we have a three month, you know, waiting period <laughs> to, to get on the show because we have so many guests. Like, we don't need 50 more, you know, that's not really valuable to us, um, for example. Uh, so I'm just curious, like figuring out the utility of as you're reaching out to these folks, like what they need, like how does that, how is that changing? trying to be more of a resource uh, versus asking for a favor or thinking you're doing a favor for someone that they haven't asked for. So we spend a lot of time looking at the media properties that we're going to pitch and trying to provide them something they don't already have. Um, data comes into play a lot then uh, from our clients. So we're constantly telling our clients, what can you say that is unique from you and a reporter couldn't just go find on their own. So can you look in your platform and see a trend over time? Uh, we have clients in the email marketing space. Can you look at all the emails that your clients have sent anonymized and look at the trends and understand what's working right now? So that can help readers and in turn reporters inform those readers of something that they couldn't find on their own. Um, if you're just offering email best practices, those are everywhere on the internet. So as a reporter, you're not going to get clicks for that. You're not going to rank on page one for that because there's already so much of it. How can you give them something that makes them stand out and gives them a resource versus asking for a favor? Yeah, that's such a great point. And, uh, yeah, it's it's just so true. I mean, the data, you know, we always talk about on this podcast, you know, kind of fight where you can win, like always position around the things that you do the best, obviously market those things that, that the only thing that the, you know, market the solution as the only, you're the only one who can do it. Um, and I think, you know, data is a huge part of that. Uh, obviously, you know, depending on your organization, you have access to secrets that nobody else has. And you need to have that stuff in your marketing. Um, and conversely, like you said, if you want people to tell the story, you got to give them something that that they couldn't find themselves. Um, do you have any like anecdotes or things where that's worked really well? Yeah. So one of our clients is Moz. Uh, they're a SEO software seen in the space as a leader, I would say, in search engine optimization. And they have subject matter experts on staff. Their specific job is to research what's going on with search engines and be able to inform their customer base on best practices up to date. And they use them for not only their content, we use them for media. They mine for data. They do a state of search report. 
that has a lot of data that is aggregate, it's public data. So someone could find it, but it's the man hours and the expertise to put it together and see the trends that they're offering to media. So we see that work really well because it's annual. They Reporters expect it from us. So they're almost waiting for it if you write about search. Um, and it's something that can inform several stories. They can reach back to and pull data when they need to support something that they're writing about. And they know that they have sources that they can ask questions of. The subject matter experts at Moz get inbound opportunities from the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal. Anytime they're writing stories that have a tie to search, they ask them a lot about, well, what's Google thinking here? And why would Google do this? And what does this mean? Because Google's not going to answer that question. <laughs> so Moz can use their expertise and their research to help be a resource to media versus us running to media and asking them to please write this story about Moz and their product and what they're doing. Their product helps SEO specialists do their jobs better. At the end of the day, that product is built by people that understand how search engines work, and that's how they prop up their software as the best. So we have listeners that are in you know large established companies, and we have ones that are in uh, smaller you know startupy uh, you know folks that might not be the uh, the industry leader yet. I'm curious, you know, for those smaller companies that um, you know are not gonna are not gonna lead the uh, you know people don't know the name of their company, uh, they don't know uh, what they do. For those folks that are trying to kind of compete against the more established brands, like what works when uh, when kind of fighting that uphill battle? Save a few category leaders that we work with. The majority of our clients are those Davids to the Goliaths of their categories. We have startups that are competing with ServiceNow and Oracle and Salesforce and the, the household names that can exist in software. So we're used to you know, fighting against the big brands for Mindshare. What we see is companies are going to lose that battle against big brands if they're only focusing on share of voice or volume. You're never going to have the same budget that ServiceNow has. So how can you, as an up-and-comer, find your focus and really drill deeply into it? and find an area that you can own and really become a thought leader in. So a friend of mine uh, that used to work at Blast, he now runs a startup, used to always say this phrase, find your niche and get rich. And we say that a lot to our clients. What is your niche? What do you do better than anyone else? And how can we really drill into that and make you the leader in it? And that's through data, like we were talking about before, that you can get from your platform or aggregate from the internet. Um, content from your subject matter experts where they're actually writing to inform the market about that piece, newsjacking, anything that goes on in the industry that has to do with what you're good at, how can we offer you as a source in that story? We've gotten in stories with competitors. You know, a competitor makes an acquisition and we get in their story with a quote just because we're watching and we're offering perspective on the market from someone that knows it, gets it, understand it, and is an expert. And then we end up in the competitor story. So as the David, you want to make sure you understand exactly who your buyer is and exactly what makes them tick. And how can you, through 
media, your social media, your own content, inform them on how to do their job better, they're going to see you as that expert. They're going to work with you and they're going to want to buy your software. And for those competitors of, uh, of Salesforce, we'll just hope they get acquired because they're good sponsor Salesforce. We love them too much uh, to see them disrupted in any way. Yeah, they're, they're so good. We have to talk about how to compete with them. There you go. Um, speaking of Salesforce, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. They're the best. We love them. They've been here since the very beginning of marketing trends and bringing this free content to, to the masses. Uh, lightning round questions. Kimberly, are you ready? I'm so ready. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun? My daycare app for my two and a half year old. They post lots of photos of the shenanigans of toddlers in a daycare. It's very entertaining. I would recommend. That's fun. We haven't heard that one before. That's a really good one. What about your TV show that you're binge watching these days? Like everyone else, we just finished Tiger King and I feel filthy from even watching it. Um, yeah, need a shower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think we're moving on to McMillions now. So I was obsessed with McDonald's Monopoly when I was a kid and I'm really looking forward to that one. What about a podcast or a book that you've thoroughly enjoyed recently? We have a Blast Media book club and I recently read a book for that that was a kind of a thriller keep you engaged um, called the au pair. And it was more like summer beach reading, but none of us can go to the beach. What about a hidden talent or passion? I am surprisingly good at hula hooping. I'm actually not an athletic person. Anyone that knows me would not believe that, but somehow hula hooping is my hidden talent. Could do it for hours. Do you have a favorite thing to cook or eat? I would eat Mexican food every single day if allowed. Also fairly simple to cook at home and I am no cook. So always Mexican food. I think I might be living your, your best life because now that shelter in place is in effect, I think we do eat Mexican food every single night. Do you have a favorite campaign that you worked on? Uh, we worked with a company for some years. Uh, they got acquired, but they were called physiology and they pulled data from social media to help inform marketers, specifically those at movie studios that create and promote movie trailers uh, on what audiences were going to think of their trailers. And we got some really cool coverage around that. Um, there was a lot that we could do with social media data we got in Vanity Fair and a lot of top tier publications. Um, and it was really fun. It's the stuff you're interested in as a consumer that you get to tell through a B2B audience. And it was super fun. What would be your advice for a first time head of PR? I would say try to get an audience with as much of the C-suite as possible PR can't work if no one believes in it or participates in it and you can't do it in a marketing vacuum. Um, it's an extension of marketing, but you have to be ingrained with sales and the C-suite and HR and everyone in the business. Um, 
to find the stories and be able to tell them and get people to believe in you and participate. So make friends and also try to get a real audience with them. You're probably going to do that through research and data and something real that you can show them. So come up with a report on your market that you can get in front of your CEO um, so she can learn who you are and you can create a value exchange with her the whole time you're working there. Awesome. Well, that's it. That's, that's all we got for today. Kimberly, any final thoughts, anything to plug? Thank you so much for having me. Um, if you are a SaaS marketer and you're interested in um, learning more, we have a blog, we have a SaaS Half Full newsletter and podcast ourselves. You can go to sashalffull.com and check that out. Thanks so much. Take care. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.